I am Plata on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Another poetry collection to examine this National Poetry Month is the debut collection of Ellie Sawatsky, None of This Belongs to Me. She joins me now to talk about the poems therein. Some deal with love, with loss, with regret, and the personal. I'll ask her about her upbringing and how her memory was mined for some of the poems in this collection. Written by a millennial, the book is a terrific capsule of memories, not just of the author, but the times we live in, replete with the uh, technological and cultural references of Ellie's lifetime. We'll uh, talk about writing to and place. There are a number of poems that look at places she's been, she's lived in, that uh, she evokes clearly and vividly for the reader. Ellie Sawatsky is a writer from Kenora, Ontario. She was a finalist for the 2019 Bronwyn Wallace Award for Emerging Writers and the recipient of CV2's 2017 Young Buck Poetry Prize. She holds an MFA in Creative Writing from the University of British Columbia and joined me from here in Vancouver. This uh, collection is published by Nightwood Editions. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online Program, Ellie Swatsky. Ms. Swatsky, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Um, th- this is your debut collection. Um, I, I don't see why we couldn't get the uh, author to tell us or the, uh, as much as I'd like to just to describe it. Uh, I mean, how would you describe this, this, this book in terms of what's in it? Yeah, so... Um my book is about the mess and beauty of moving into adulthood in an age of social media and environmental peril. Um, it's about my experiences working as a nanny in Vancouver over the last 10 years. There's a series of poems about um, a particular family that I worked for. Uh, it's got polar bears, Mennonite grandmas, bad Tinder dates, Burning Man, breakup anthems, and personal excavations of a somewhat embarrassing nature. I think exploring one's own awkwardness is pretty common fodder for contemporary poetry. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to ask you this, but I, since you brought it up, um, you mentioned working as a nanny. Um, yeah. When I read the news sometimes and I, I see someone being described as, as working in that job, they use the word au pair. Um, yeah. Is that just a pretentious way of saying working as a nanny or caring for children, say? I think au pair is specifically a term for when you're a nanny from a different country I see. who goes um, somewhere, and it's like a live-in nanny situation. Mm, I see. Okay. Someone from somewhere else. I think, I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think that that, it does just sound like kind of like a pretentious fancy <laughs> way of saying nanny, but I think specifically that means when you go somewhere else to work as a nanny. So one gets a sense as, as uh, they read your collection, none of this uh, belongs to me, um, that... Um, uh, of what your life was like growing up, uh, and then as you, you just said, uh, moving into where you are today, um, this this part of your life. Um, in terms of the childhood, the upbringing that you had, um, how would you describe that? I, the, the sense I get, it's a very close knit family. Yeah, my family's really close. Um, my parents are both from Winnipeg, mm-hmm. so um, I grew up two hours east of Winnipeg in Kenora, um, Ontario. And um, we, it, it's a really harsh climate out there. So I feel like a lot of my childhood was spent, you know, reading and exploring. And um, my mom really encouraged, well, both my parents really encouraged um, creativity in our home. So that was, I think that was crucial for me. I was also homeschooled for a couple of years mm-hmm. in grades five and six. Um, and I think, and so my mom and I were 
were at home together, and, and that really strengthened our bond, and, and really, she really encouraged reading and, um, and writing, and uh, I know that not, not everyone gets to have that kind of positive relationship with creating art um, at such a young age, so I feel really lucky to have had that, and also just the fact that I grew up rurally, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of exploring outside, and a lot of, um, I had a lot of independence. And I think that was really important for me as well. That's the thing that I got as I was reading your, your book, is, is, is that it's rooted in uh, place. And, and mm-hmm. not just one place, but the various places that you've been, even just, you know, say, traveling, vacations with, with, with the family or friends and the sort. Um, yeah. Place uh, plays such a part in, in one's memory. Um, is that fun exploring in, in the form of the poem, say? Yeah, it is. I feel like... I, I, I sort of start, an idea for a poem often comes to me as the, the initial inspiration is a landscape. So um, I'll often start with a landscape and then kind of create the narrative from there. I also write fiction, mostly, I've mostly written short fiction in the mm-hmm. past, and I, I find that the way that I approach a poem and a story is very much the same. Um, so I start with a landscape, and then the plot kind of unravels from there. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't start with plot. Um, sometimes I start with a character, but um, it's it's very much about the place. It's very much about the landscape, and it always has been for me. Yeah, it evokes such such memories of of yours. Uh, I can tell as a reader. And then, um, as uh, as a reader, I, I tend to to think about some of the other places that I've been that might be similar, say, or, or uh, you know, or, or um, uh, even dissimilar at times, you know, in, in contrast. And yeah. um, it it just feels like um, we tend to overlook that because when when we when we mine our memory for the good and the bad, we we tend to think of of what happened or people involved, but. But the, the place is always there, isn't it? It's sort of the, the, the common denominator, if you will, in terms of what we remember. Yeah, my my hope is, is kind of always that, you know, by being very specific about my experiences, that there will be some kind of universality. There will mm. be something that inspires the reader to think about their own experience or something that was, was similar. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that. Where do you feel most at home? That's a great question because I have, for so much of my adulthood, I have felt like I have a home in two different places, one of which is my childhood home Mm -hmm. um, in Kenora, Ontario. My parents still live in the same house that I grew up in. Um, And then the other one being Vancouver. But for a long time, Vancouver, over the last 10 years, my book, I think, very much speaks to a decade of my life, my 20s, pretty much. It was a book that was 10 years in the writing, and I, I think it really... Um, captures the journey of being in my 20s, which all of which was spent in Van- living in Vancouver. Home base was in Vancouver. I did a lot of traveling in there, but mm-hmm. my home base was always Vancouver. Um, but it was very a very destabilized time. I feel that I was very not grounded in place in Vancouver during my 20s. Mm-hmm. So I still refer to Kenora as home. But now that I'm in my 30s, I'm starting to feel more at home in Vancouver and I just moved into a new place. I lived in the same place for about almost nine years uh-huh. um, before this place, and so now I'm in a place with my partner and my cat. <laughs> it feels I feel much more grounded, um, and part of that I think has to do with the pandemic. It just sort of oh, sure, yeah. really yeah. made people retreat into their homes, you know. 
and kind of ground into into home. So, in a way, that's been that's been nice. I miss I miss the adventures <laughs> I used to have out in the world, but uh, it's been really nice to feel more grounded. So right now, I feel most at home in Vancouver. I live in Strathcona and mm-hmm. in a beautiful. I have a beautiful courtyard and nice outdoor space and a, a camellia tree that's just it's the pink blossoms are just like pushing their faces up against my kitchen window and it's amazing i feel really lucky do you um still get the chance to to spend a lot of time outdoors say i mean uh, a lot of the book talks about adventures outdoors or just being outdoors mm-hmm. in general say where, where you grew up um yeah. does living in a city like vancouver i guess we're pretty lucky that that if one wants to do that, they can, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I do. A, I do a lot of, um, you know, hiking and and um, I walk in Pacific Spirit mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and in the summer, when the weather is nicer, I like to get out and do camping and and uh, canoeing and stuff like that. I went on a really beautiful canoe trip in Kenora. I'd never been canoeing in in the Kenora area, which is amazing because it's like the land of a thousand lakes, right? And right, yeah. um, I'd never. We had a canoe when I was growing up, but I was never really that interested in it. But my partner is is big into canoeing, and so we went on a five day canoe trip, and we didn't see another human the entire time we were out, and it was magical. It was so <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was uh, beautiful. So, so you contend in the book with with, with memories, as I've, I've said, um, good and bad. You deal with love and with loss. Um, regret is something that we all have to contend with, that we have to deal with uh, in our lives. Do, do you uh, find that um, in the writing of poetry you have, say, I don't know, toolkits the right word, but um, because I know a lot of people that read poetry for and find solace or they find advice or they find, you know, comfort. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you find that, that you're able to, to, to deal with some of these things a little bit better because you do write poetry, say? Yeah, I do. I think that, um, for me, poetry is a form of memory keeping. And, and I love that, like, there are, everybody I think is involved in a, a kind of memory keeping, whether it's journaling or, or photography or telling the same stories over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that it's really interesting to see what people do with, you know, the facts of their life and then how they interpret them. And for me, poetry is, how you interpret the facts of your life, well, how you make sense of them. And so I feel, I do very much feel that um, when I sit down to write a poem, I'm like sorting through. I'm also terrible at, at compartmentalizing. Mm. So I think that poetry really helps me to kind of like take the mess of my brain and put it somewhere else. Um, and it's funny because right now in my life, my book came out, which was in um, uh, October of 2021. Mm-hmm. I've actually been trying to write fiction again. I haven't written fiction since 2016. And I'm trying to write fiction again, and, and I haven't really been writing much poetry. And I'm finding that I really miss it as mm. a way of sorting through the mess of my life and, and the feelings that I'm having about my life. So, um, yeah, I really do think that it that it helps me. So some of the poems are, are personal um, by nature. I guess poetry is personal. Um, are there details about your life, I guess, so that, that um, uh, I don't know, as a reader, I, I found if, if I did that, I would find it intrusive. Um, is there a negotiation that you do with yourself as to what to write uh, or what to share, say? 
I think the negotiation for me comes later, um, after the poem's already been written, and like maybe not even until the poem is like slated for publication, mm. that I that I start to negotiate with myself whether it's whether it's too personal, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which I don't know what that means. If that means that I should, you know, do more. Um, thinking before I write <laughs> or more asking myself or, or question who I'm writing for and, and why I'm writing. Um, but mostly I just look for, I look for the content that inspires me and I just go with it. So when I was writing poems about my nanny experiences, there was just, I was just finding that I, there was so much, I had so much to say about it. Mm. And so I didn't really think too much about, you know, what the potential ramifications might be of exposing um, my my life in that way, aspect of my life in that way. I just kind of went where there was heat um, yeah. and and mined it for all it was worth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I asked that question because when I interview people, authors especially, they always want to know what, what I'm going to ask about. And, and I... I um, some authors are well-known or celebrities, and so they have sort of stuff about themselves that can be asked that have nothing to do really with the book. Um, with a nonfiction writer, you know, we generally keep it to whatever they're writing about. With a novelist, you can sort of move around in terms of what's personal because it's essentially personal itself. And then with a poet, there's everything and anything in there. And I, I found myself, as I was reading the book, knowing stuff about you that I probably wouldn't know if, um, say, we worked together or if I ran into you on the street or we met, you know, at a function. Um, yeah. and, and so I, I always find it um, odd, not odd, but but um, incredibly generous of the poet to be able to share so much of themselves. And, and um, I'm wondering, do you wonder what an interviewer or anybody else who's read your book want to ask you about yourself and and how does that work when you run into people and they say oh i know this about you because you wrote about this um i I would find that personally um intrusive or 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 even uncomfortable is it um it isn't for me and i don't i don't know why like maybe i maybe i should feel (laughs) (laughs) intrusive um, I think maybe it mostly makes me uncomfortable when I think about my, like my parents, for example, mm-hmm. um, reading my book, which, you know, they've been reading my, my writing for years and it's, I think they're kind of desensitized at this point, but, um, I think I'm a relatively open person. And so, um, yeah, I remember at, it was a few years back. I think it was 2017. I read at an open... I was working at a... A few of the poems of my book are, are take place in, in Hawaii. Uh-huh. And so it was during that time I was I was working at this retreat center in Hawaii and they had an open mic. And I read a couple of poems at the open mic and afterwards people were coming up. I think one of them was the poem Poetry Wants My Imaginary Boyfriends, which is about losing my virginity. Yeah. And someone came up to me afterwards and was like, wow, you're so brave and i was like this feels like a backhanded compliment (laughs) but it was funny because i hadn't you know it wasn't like a literary um community necessarily i feel like it would be different it's different reading those poems to a literary audience but 
But it felt like it was an interesting moment where I was like, wait, am I sharing too much? Um, yeah, so it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel intrusive to me. It feels liberating, I guess, to be able to share those parts of myself. That's the marvelous thing about the difference between us as readers, say, and, and, and you all as writers. Um, mm-hmm. You write in the acknowledgments about these poems. Uh, uh, you were hoping that these poems would land. I'm assuming you mean land with the reader. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you see these things as, as say, your creations that you're propelling into an audience, and 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 um, whether uh, wondering how they're received? Is that is that something that you're concerned about as well? Yeah, I mean, I I'm what I hope is is that. My hope, my, my hope for what people take away from the book, and I know they won't speak to everyone because um, that's just how it is mm-hmm. with writing. It's not, it's not for everyone. But like I said, these poems speak to this decade of my life that was so formative, um, a lot of growth, upheaval, failure, mistake-making, and, and learning from those mistakes. And, um, you know, it was, it was messy and... I, there's like vulnerability. I think is really important. I think what we're talking about is 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 vulnerability, um, and it can be really it can be hard to be vulnerable. For me, it's always been easier to be vulnerable in in poetry than I guess, in real life. Mm. But I I hope that my poems document this decade of my life with um, you know with tenderness and with a certain degree of humor and humility and in a way that captures the beauty and the magic of that era. I feel like, for me, I'm being seen by the book, and so my my greatest hope is that someone else out there feels seen by it, too, and that, you know, there's some larger human experience that I'm speaking to. And so in, in that sense, that's when I say that I hope the poems land, I think that's what I mean, is that is that someone out there feels um, feels seen. Yeah, I'm I, I'm of a different generation. I'm slightly older than you are, um, and what what I found just enjoyable as well when when I was reading your collection what, was that you you not only document say your own life but but you're documenting the last ten years, if you will, all mm-hmm. the tech, technological things that were were um, you know that we have around us and and mm-hmm. uh, the various things that we've been talking about in terms of our popular culture and and the, the social issues, obviously that that. Uh, um, that are in the zeitgeist. Um, when you look back at, at at the last ten years, because it it has been quite an eventful past ten years, especially with the pandemic and the sort, um, is this something that you're going to look back, um, just the wider world rather than yourself, did with, with some um, affection, if you will, or, or, or are you just glad that it's done? <laughs> no affection for sure. Yeah. No, it was a good. It was a good ten years. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a lot of tenderness and and love that I have for my former versions of myself and and the former versions of the world, um, and especially with the pandemic, you know, it's, it kind of feels like a before and after in terms of the world that we live in now. Oh sure, um, yeah. yeah. And I I still retain the hope that we'll get back to some form of normalcy um but 
but definitely I, I feel there's like a kind of nostalgia that I feel even for the world that I inhabited, you know, two years ago before the pandemic started. Yeah, traveling with people and the sort of something that, that I, I sort of remembered after reading a couple of poems in the book, you know? Yeah. And seeing other people again. Um, the the, um, the uh, craft of writing. Um, re- reading, I suppose, is, is essential to that, isn't it? Yes, definitely. And, and do you read uh, a lot of poetry? Do you read widely in, in terms of other genres as well? And do you find that that contributes to, to say, your abilities to write poems? Yes, for sure. If I'm in a poetry writing phase, I'm always reading poetry. Hmm. And if I'm in a fiction writing phase, you know, if I'm writing short stories, if I'm writing short stories, I wrote a um, collection of short stories for my master's thesis in 2015. Mm-hmm when I was at UBC, and I was just reading for, I swear, for a whole year, all I was reading was short stories. And now that I'm, I'm trying to write a novel, I'm, I'm reading novels. But I actually, because I was working on this book for the last, um, you know, five, six years, I've been reading mostly poetry for all of those years, and I haven't really read very many novels or short story collections, for mm-hmm. that matter. Um, so it's been kind of nice to get back into novel reading because it's something I haven't done in a while. Um, I would read novels here and there, but just not as regularly, as consistently as I am now. And so I, in writing poetry, yes, I, I read poetry widely, and I'm always searching for um, a poem that makes me feel like I can write, something that sparks something. And I think maybe that's something else relating to this feeling of wanting my poems to land with people is um, the kind of poetry that I love is the kind of poetry that makes me feel like I can write, that, mm. that's, you know, accessible enough that um, I feel it or it makes me think of something that I want to write a poem about. Because I think sometimes with poetry, it's it's almost like you question what's poem-worthy, <laughs> and there can be a lot of self-editing that goes on before you even start. Like, oh, no one's going to want to read about that, or like, that's um, not interesting. And for me reading all kinds of poetry, mostly contemporary poetry, mm-hmm. really shows me what a poem can be, what it can do. Um, is there a specific time that you write, say? Usually in the morning. That's when, I'm, that's when my brain is, is fresh. But I definitely try to, like, push my boundaries there and not get not pigeonhole myself into, like, a, being a writer that can only write in the morning yeah. or only write when I don't have a headache. Because right. yeah, yeah. then I would just never write. So I, I try to to try different things, writing at different times. And and the fascinating thing about writing poetry, talking to poets as I have the last couple of weeks or over the years, is that um, you, you said a word a moment ago, spark. And um, one would think that, that inspiration hits at um, any time, really. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you uh, have a, a notebook or something close to you all the time so that if you need to jot something down, you can? Yeah, I I used to I used to keep a notebook with me at all times, and in more recent years, I take notes in my iPhone. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, there's a poem in my book called "If You're Writing This Down," um, which is composed mostly of notes that I took in my iPhone. I think this is like a bit of a, this is like a bit of a, I don't want to say like a trend, but like there's a, maybe a tradition of, of poets 
writing poems that are made up of fragments uh-huh. from their books. I know like Raymond Carver has a poem called something about um, his bathrobe pocket stuffed with notes or something, and it's all kind of random things he's written down on, on notes. My my friend and fellow poet, Joel Barron, has a poem in their book, Ritual Lights, that's also iPhone notes. And, um, yeah, so I, I think that's that's the way that I mainly record things now. But it's really funny because I think part of the reason why I put all of those notes into that poem was because they never really turned into... Um, poems on their own. They were mm. kind of just like these random fragmented thoughts. And so it was cool to kind of try to, you know, string them together in a way. And I, I don't really, I think like poems, when I sit down to write a poem, it usually comes out of, um, it doesn't necessarily come from some like lightning bolt inspiration. Usually I sit down to write. It's, I think it's most, impra- more, most important for me to have a writing practice where I sit down to write every day, no matter what. I don't always do it, of course, mm-hmm. but trying to find the words, um, rather than waiting for inspiration to hit me kind of out of nowhere. I don't really, for me, I don't really believe in that lightning bolt inspiration. Um, I think, if I was waiting for that, I would just wait forever. So I just have to make sure. I just have to make sure I, I'm always sitting down and, and always writing, no matter how inspired I feel or don't feel. And what what's the process like in terms of writing? Because as I read the poems in the in the book, it, it, everything seems deliberate. There, there are no words wasted, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Is is there a lot of editing? Is there a lot of cutting out? Yeah, I would say I've done a lot of editing. Um, I think I'm I'm more I'm a very slow writer, so I think I I tend more towards um, sort of editing as I go and being very deliberate as I write. I don't I'm not really one of those writers that just kind of like word vomits and like puts everything and then edits down later. I do a little bit of that, but but mostly I just I really like think about every word that I put down, especially with poetry. Not so much with. With fiction, I'm trying to be a bit more messy with that because otherwise I'll just never get anything down. But with poetry, I try to be more deliberate. And so um, often um, a poem will will be pretty close to its final form uh, as a first draft. But I've also gone through multiple drafts, especially with um, some of the older poems in the book because some of the some of the oldest poems in the book are over ten years old. Mm-hmm. And, and what's that like in terms of looking back? I mean, do, do you remember where you were, not not just physically but emotionally or otherwise, um, when you read something that you wrote so long ago even? Yeah, it it feels... Some of the older, older poems feel distant from me in terms of where I was at when I wrote them. But in terms of um, being pieces of writing that came from me and that have existed in my life so long, they feel, I feel close to them in that way because, because I'm so familiar with the words and, and, you know, I've read, I've read at at readings or I've seen them published before they even came out in my book, seen them published in journals or Mm -hmm. whatever. And, um, yeah, there's a distance there for sure. But, um, yeah, it's sort of like a, like a fond nostalgia 
that I have when I read my old poems. Yeah. Like looking at a photo from that time where it's hard to connect to to what that to who that person is, but you know, feeling like a fondness for them. Yeah. I, I so enjoyed reading the book and um enjoyed speaking with you today. So appreciate you taking the time to chat. Congratulations, Ellie, on this debut and all the best. Thank you so much. The book is called None of This Belongs to Me. It's published by Nightwood Editions. It's uh, author Ellie Sawatsky. Join me on the line from here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plata.